Welcome everyone to Concha Hawk and Vineyard Church Online. My name is Rich Andrews, pastor here at CVC. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is going to be our last online-only worship service, at least for the foreseeable future, since we're getting back to in-person services every week starting January 8th. And I think that change back, it's going to be great. It'll be great for the church, and it's going to help us build consistency that we believe will help us reach more people as well. I also hope you had an enjoyable Thanksgiving. Uh, I hope you spent some quality time giving thanks with people you love. We hosted Thanksgiving uh, for our extended family like we've been doing uh, every year since we moved out here to start CVC. One of my favorite parts is when we share with one another what we're thankful for. This year, I'm really thankful for how God has grown us as a church in love for one another and for all the genuine relationships that so many of us have. You know, being in person together, I think this year has made a huge difference. As you know, today also marks the beginning of the Advent season leading up to Christmas. Now, Advent means arrival, and it refers to the arrival of Jesus in the world. And this week's Advent theme is hope. And certainly hope is something we can never get enough of, especially during this time when so many of us are struggling to be hopeful in the midst of either bad news or busy activity or just feeling tired because of all the demands of life. And ironically, including the demands of the Christmas season. Like we've talked about in our most recent sermon series, The Strain of Relationships During the Holidays, uh, you know, that might be taking a toll on your soul. And you might feel hopeless about the direction of various things, various relationships you have. You might feel hopeless about the direction that the United States seems to be headed in, or you might be feeling hopeless about the state of the world when you hear the news, maybe about the war in Ukraine, or maybe you might be feeling hopeless because there's just such an incredible amount of poverty and uh, we hear so much about it and it seems so overwhelming. You know, all those things have certainly weighed on me. Uh, And this Monday, actually, I'm traveling to Bolivia, which seems itself like a big hopeless political mess. And it's not only making my travel plans more challenging, but it's really been interfering with the lives of the churches down there on a daily kind of basis. And they're learning to trust in God and their resilience is really encouraging. But my hope is that as we look at God's word today, we'll be reminded of why Jesus really is a reason for hope, not only for each of us, but really for the entire world. So today's message is titled, A Time to Remember Hope. Let's take a moment and pray, and we'll jump right in. God, thank you for the hope that you provide, and we pray that everyone listening to this message today would experience your hope in their lives. So come Holy Spirit, would you renew hope in each of us according to who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to be uh, in the Gospel of Matthew and the book of Isaiah, the the prophet Isaiah, but we'll start off in Matthew really as the launching point uh, for the crux of of, uh, finding hope in Jesus, which really uh, Matthew is one of those historical narratives about the life of Jesus, which was written by a man, Matthew, named Matthew, and he found his hope in his relationship with Jesus. Matthew's main purpose in writing is to really show that God has kept his ancient promises to Israel through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the Messiah. Messiah just means God's chosen one. So before Jesus died on the cross, his life was often threatened uh, repeatedly by religious teachers who tried to kill him on a lot of different occasions. And I wonder if all those occasions were even documented. 
But we pick up the story of Jesus in chapter 12 of the book of Matthew when the Pharisees were plotting to kill him after he healed a man's hand on the Sabbath. And it says this, Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place, and a large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. Okay, so one of the reasons we can find hope in our relationship with Jesus uh, is because Jesus himself understands what it means to live in a demanding environment. He had to change his plans to avoid people who were trying to kill him. And, you know, he had to work really hard to get any kind of privacy at all. So large crowds were usual for Jesus. Uh, Large crowds chased him, and they were crowds full of people who were depressed, demonized, and demanding. It's kind of like going to Walmart or the King of Pressure Mall on Black Friday. So the crowds knew he had healing power, but they didn't really understand what he was doing. And that's why he warned people not to tell others about him, because they would just be spreading fake news about him after seeing his power and interpret everything he did through their political perspectives. You know, maybe that sounds a little bit familiar. Uh, But when I go on these missions trips, like to Bolivia, I sometimes get a small glimpse of what Jesus did, because I often have to change my plans last second. Uh, There's not a lot of space for myself. I don't often get good sleep, uh, although sometimes I do. But I'm praying for lots of healing for lots of people in a short amount of time, and it's very intense. And it's not uncommon, actually, to deal with political protests uh, because they're so common there. And uh, here's a couple of pictures you can see that our missionary sent me, uh, Kimber, uh, last week that happened in Santa Cruz. I mean, this is happening right now. Um, not, not the protest, but actually the protest, but not this particular one. But this is, just happened last week. So add to that the threat of corrupt police, uh, which is a part of daily life. And it can be a rough situation. I mean, I was pulled into a police office at a bus station and interrogated for no reason, except that I just looked like a foreigner and they wanted a bribe. And that was actually one of the freakiest experiences I've had in the mission field. But our lives might seem difficult and at times seem hopeless. Um, but it was nothing compared to what Jesus went through. Jesus understands us. And that gives me hope because he knows just what we need. And Jesus himself remained uh, not only hopeful, but a source of hope without letting all those demands and stresses stop him. So let's keep reading. Verse 17, this was to fulfill that was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. And then Matthew quotes from the book of Isaiah. It's actually 42 verses 1 to 4, but this is, this is what it says. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. In verse 20, it's just precious, I love this. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice uh, through uh, to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. So Matthew refers to this Isaiah 42 passage as a prophecy about Jesus. And Jesus is the one in whom the nations will put their hope. And now this idea of the nations here is as the theme all throughout um, the scriptures often referred to the, as the Gentiles, but the nations included uh, empires like the Roman Empire or the Egyptian Empire or the Babylonian Empire. These were countries and nations that, uh, that were to rise and fall through violence, through arrogance, and through injustice. And these nations oppressed the poor, 
They disregarded the sick. They mistreated children. And the nation, these nations created slave trades, which dehumanized and killed millions of people all throughout history. And the nations shed blood in the streets uh, in order just to possess the resources, status, and money and land they wanted. You know, and it was to these nations of which Rome itself was the prototype that Jesus came to proclaim justice through his disciples by the power of the Spirit. But it wasn't the way that people thought or expected. It wasn't through violence, it wasn't through arrogance, it wasn't through oppression, but it was through humility and self-sacrificing love. And Jesus would lead a revolution of multiplying disciples that would eventually turn the whole Roman Empire upside down and transform Rome into the capital of Christianity. So Jesus was a light in a dark world, and he brings hope for the hopeless. And what he did back then, he can do once again here and now, even in the midst of political turmoil and violence that we see all throughout the world today. And the kingdom of God, which advanced in power in the purse of Jesus, came with gentleness and compassion for those who were broken. I love the scripture that where it says there, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. So what happened was, when Jesus came and started this disciple-making revolution based on what Jesus did by dying on the cross and rising from the dead, there were these kingdom communities that emerged uh, throughout history. And the culture changed. And where those kingdom communities were established, those cultures and societies and nations changed themselves. The poor were fed, families were healed, and even economies improved through what is known as redemption and lift, which sociologists and historians uh, can show that as the gospel takes root in a country, the entire society, even the economy, increases and becomes better. But this God, the, the God that we see and read about in the scriptures, the God who Jesus is, and the God who we serve, continues to work to bring hope through the church. And that's me and you. And that's those of us who have trusted in Jesus. See, Jesus came to bring hope to the nations. And this is why, as a church, we engage in cross-cultural missions in other nations and why we give strategically outside of our own context. Uh, the reason is so that the hope of Jesus can spread across the entire world, which is God's intent and his heart since the beginning. This is part of the, the narrative of Scripture. Now, every time at Christmas time, one of the things we do, if you've been part of our church, is that we give an offering to the Judaque Home for Precious Children in Bolivia, which serves orphans with special needs. And so I just want to remind you, please prayerfully consider how you can participate and your family can participate with us in giving and, and making an impact there in Bolivia. In Bolivia itself, really, it's a nation where I believe that our church has been called to invest our time, to invest our money, to invest our resources. It's a country I've visited frequently for the past 10 to 15 years. And Bolivia is a nation that understands injustice. Bolivia itself understands injustice within its borders and outside of its borders. It is the poorest nation in Latin America, and more than 80% of the nation's population lives in poverty, and 15% of those are considered extremely poor. And Bolivia, it was once, at one time, it was a country of abundant resources. Uh, but what happened in Bolivia is that the people in the lands were repeatedly plundered, they were beaten down, and they were eventually landlocked into the center of South America. And in fact, Bolivia is the only landlocked nation in the way that it has been subjugated over the course of the years. And they've suffered repeated 
losses. I mean, they've never even been to the World Cup, let alone won, won a game in the final tournament, As we, uh, if those of you who are watching the World Cup. But they've been politically unstable since their independence in 1825. And in Bolivia, we've not only been given uh, the chance to, to give and invest in the children's home, but one of the primary ways we're participating with what God's doing there is by helping support and encourage a group of four or so vineyard churches that are carrying on the mission of Jesus in their local context in the largest cities where the majority of the people live. That includes Santa Cruz, Cochabamba, and La Paz, and I'm going to be visiting all of those. So I mentioned this, that I leave for Bolivia on Monday, um, and I'm going to Bolivia to, uh, visit those cities. Uh, and what I'm going to do there is I'm going to spend some time with the vineyard missionaries there, uh, Kimber, uh, which you may have uh, met, some of you have met her, and I'm going to be spending time with those pastors, as you can see in this picture, which is a group of some pastors from Bolivia and the pastors who have been part of a partnership, which is a group of churches working together to do together what one church cannot do alone. And as I travel over these next couple of weeks, I would really appreciate your prayers that I, along with Vineyard Pastors Mark Tyndall and Phil Chorlian, you can see him in this picture, uh, I pray, please pray that we would be able to encourage, equip, and just really bring hope to the indigenous leaders and the leaders there uh, and the churches there to carry on the mission of Jesus in their own context. And so my hope is that we can really be, uh, by the power of the Spirit, we can strengthen those churches and help them find hope in the Lord by our time together as we go on a retreat and we interact with some of the church members and uh, just listen to them and their challenge, your unique challenges in their own context. Jesus is the hope of the world. He's the hope of Bolivia He's the hope of the United States, and he's the hope for you and me. So when we're in a dark time, and I don't know about you, but it's easy to forget and lose hope, and we all need to continually be encouraged. We all need to continually remember what God, what God has said to us and who he is. And that's why God commands us to remember him so often all throughout the scriptures, that command to remember, to remember, to remember. I'm going to give you a couple examples just from Isaiah as Matthew was quoting from Isaiah, but Isaiah is all about remembering. In Isaiah 17.10, God tells his people, you have forgotten God your Savior. You have not remembered the rock, your fortress. Or in Isaiah 46.9, he says, remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. So if you want to hold on to hope this Christmas season, you know, maybe it's for yourself, it could be for your family, it could be for our country or just generally in the world, like in Bolivia. Practice remembering. First, remember who God is. See, it's really spiritually dangerous to be casual in your worship habits. And this is the reason why we gather together every week to worship God, why we're going to be doing that in the new year, and why we make scripture reading such a priority. Let me give you an example from Isaiah about hope that I think will help us remember who God is. You can read it along with me. Isaiah 40. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow weary and tired, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And they will walk and not grow faint. We could use some of that, can't we? 
especially the, the older folks, the folks in the, the master's category. But we remember who God is. That's how we find hope. But secondly, we not only remember who God is, but we remember what God has done. The Apostle Paul puts us this way in Ephesians uh, 2.12. He says this, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But then he says this, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. So if God would generously give us his only son as a sacrifice for our sins, how much more will he give us hope in our relationship with him whenever we need it? See, this is the reason Jesus instituted communion. communion. <clears throat> it's to remember what Jesus has done for us regularly in our lives as a community. And it's important to know that there are some things that God intended that we do to remember together. Not just alone, like communion or corporate worship. See, together we help each other remember what God has done for us in a way that we can't do alone. And being the body of Christ, which is the community, the family which God has established as God the Father and we as his children, being part of that family helps us remember who God is and what God has done for us. Lastly, we can remember what God has done for each of us individually. What has God done for you individually? If you're feeling hopeless, think about what God has done for you throughout your life. You know, I love that we've recently included God stories in our worship services. Those are excellent examples and ways that we can remember that God is at work, that give us hope, that he is here, he is present, that remind us who God is. See, God is at work in powerful ways in each of our lives. Sometimes we just don't realize it. And if you face moments of hopelessness, pause to remember what God has done in your own life. Just remind yourself of your, of your own God stories. You know, I like to give thanks every day in my journal, first thing in the morning, for everything God has done. That's, I do that before anything else <clears throat> every day. So, during this Christmas season, no matter what happens in your own life, no matter what happens in the world, I want to encourage you, be intentional to remember who God is. Remember what God has done for us. And remember what God has done for you. See, Christmas time is a time to remember the hope we have in Jesus. So I encourage you as well, let this season and all the fanfare turn your mind back to him again, whether it's the whistling of bells or the, uh, the ringing of bells, uh, the whistle of the people uh, working so joyously or not so much, all the songs, all the decorations. Thank him for it all. Praise him for his love for you and for the world. And trust that he who began a good work in you be faithful to bring it to completion. So I want to close with this prayer, and I want to just read this as a blessing over you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. Amen.